Hi, my name is Matt Denham, and I just want to welcome you to Real Life Ministries. I just want to personally thank you for investing some of your time today in just listening to what I feel like God has placed on my heart this week. This week, I want to talk about problems and possibilities. Because as we go through this life, there's going to be all kinds of problems. There's going to be problems in our relationships. There's going to be problems in our everyday life. There's going to be problems in our work. You can't escape problems as you navigate this world. You're just going to run into them, maybe on a weekly, monthly, sometimes daily, and depending on your job, it could be every hour to the minute. But how we look at these problems, I really define it really defines who we are. Because I usually see people look at a problem and say, "Hey, I'm just going to wait and see what happens, or somebody else is going to come along and have to deal with it, negative or positive." Two, we're just going to do a workaround and just deal with it, which with a busy life, this seems to be a uh, something a lot of people do a lot of times, uh, even myself. You get, you get to be so busy that you just kind of live with it. Or three, you just kind of say, forget it, become negative about it, but then something shifts in you. And I hope this resonates with you today that you start to say, you know what? I am going to have the positive attitude that my problem now, there's, there's a possibility that maybe something can be done. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to fix it. I'm not going to do the workaround anymore, but I am going to engage and look at the possibilities to actually work through the problem that I have. Sometimes the the problems are just not even big, but we just put them off. I, I know for me, uh, I was going through household hack uh, searches today to see how many times people search for uh, things to eliminate household problems. And one that I even deal with is I help with the, the dishes and the dishwasher, loading, unloading. But the silverware tray always slides back. And one of the simple hacks was take a pool noodle, cut it, and use it and put it in the back so it won't slide. And I thought, how simple is that? I've been fighting with this going on years, right? And I just usually just pull the tray back or just let it let it rest wherever it rests and just do a workaround. When the video is like, take four or five bucks, buy a pool noodle, find something else, cut it, stick it in the back, and you don't have to fight it anymore. And it really started to awaken me thinking, you know, so many times there's probably so many opportunities to look at things differently, but I just kind of work around it. I mean, even in life, right? I have, I know I have skills that can be a problem for me. Uh, spelling and navigation are my two weaknesses. I use spell check and I use the maps on my phone. Like my life depends on it. If my, if those things quit working, I would be in trouble. Even yesterday, um, or this weekend, I went on a trip and my phone kept locking up. And for some reason, when it kept locking up, I don't know if I hit something or it just froze, but it added a new stop between where I was and home. So it took me about 30 minutes to finally realize when I was reading the signs that I am going in the wrong direction. And I thought to myself, what if I was in the middle of nowhere and I didn't have my phone? The odds of me getting home 
it's going to be pretty rough. Like I'm going to have to just live wherever I end up because I know I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be begging people like point me in a general direction, like north, south, just get me moving. But I know that's a, that's a problem that I have to work around. Um, spelling. Uh, I, today I did the Wordle and my wife was looking at me like I was using crayons. She's like, you have most of the letters. It's not that difficult. It, it should be easy. But certain things, my brain does not look at it as there's a possibility to a solution. It's like I see those letters and I start to just overthink it so much that my mind just shuts down and is like, uh, no, we're done. So those are some things that I have to find workarounds or I have to try to become better at. I look for opportunities uh, to try to better myself in these areas. But do we do that with all things in our life? Do we really look at God and say, God, there's a problem, but maybe there's a possibility that you can work through these things? You know, we can look through the Bible and we can look through the Gospels and we can go through and, of course, see the Bible stories about the death of Jesus or his resurrection or all these things are multiple times through the Gospels. They're, they're pivotal foundational truths of our beliefs and uh, and the life that we live. But there's this, another story that that's in all four of the Gospels, and it's about feeding the 5,000. Now, it's funny that Mark and John, they don't even record Jesus' birth, yet they take the time to talk about a special afternoon in the life of Jesus. Have you ever had one of those days where it just, boom, it sticks out like you can remember it in detail. It changed your life that much. Now think about your childhood. I know that uh, last time I had talked to my brother and my sister, we were having a conversation, and I think even my brother-in-law, and I was like, I don't really remember a lot of my childhood, like moments here and there, but for this story to be like ingrained in her memory is it's got to be pretty special. Now, we're not going to read too much into it that they this story was in all four gospels and it has any more value than Jesus' birth. That's silly, right? That's not that's not what I'm trying to say here. But I think when all four of the gospels point to a specific story that we should take the time to stop and say, "Hey, God, what are you trying to say? Holy Spirit, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to show us today? I think this story really covers something that really symbolizes life in itself. If we have to really look at our life, um, it's kind of like the TV show my wife watches. She's watched it for I don't know how many years it's been on. I want to say forever. Maybe it started in the Garden of Eden, but it's the show Survivor. It talks about the two things that human humans really need. Survival, right? We need food. We need, we need heat. We need water. We need these things to survive. But on the other side of it, we want to get to the point that we're comfortable, right? People, the American dream, we want the, the house with the white picket fence. We want the, the car, the, the maybe the nice retirement. Or we, we try to look at these things and say, you know what? We could just survive, but we want more. We and, and food is, is necessary and household things are necessary. If you don't believe me, I know when COVID first hit, uh, we weren't really too worried about food because I, 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 
I signed up for like a, a mail order food kit because I knew that if the supply chain was going to go down, they were going to fight to keep in business and they were going to do whatever it took to keep the food coming and they just went and take new customers. I kind of gambled on that and it, it pretty much worked out the way I was hoping it would. But I wanted to go to Walmart. I wanted to see what everybody was talking about. And I remember them putting out a pallet of toilet paper and I thought everybody was kidding. But it was like an apocalyptic nightmare. Like people were ripping it out of the the hands of the people that were stocking it. They were just like, we give up. Just take it. Take it all. And I was thinking, man, this is toilet paper. That wasn't even to the point of maybe somebody missed a couple meals because there wasn't any food. Right? Food is a necessity. But it doesn't take us very long to say, hey, you know, we're uncomfortable. We need these things. But Jesus provides this miracle. I think that kind of represents our whole life. You know, that we are trying to survive, but we want to live in comfort too. That this focus is always on our mind. How are we going to survive on this earth? How are we going to go further? How are we going to accomplish the things we want in our life? And surviving is always at the, 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 it's always something that's on our mind. Like what if we lost our job? What if, what if our health took a, a, a bad turn? Are, what are we going to do? Uh, if we run out of gas, it's like, it's always survival. If we don't have enough money for the bills this week, we always shift into that mode where we we're afraid of the worst. So we're always trying to figure out a way that we're not going to fall into that, uh, that trap or that moment where we feel like we're helpless. So I've been there before. I remember that we had moved years and years ago and things were going so bad. The U-Haul got stuck, right? Um, the utility bill got sent to the wrong house, so our power got shut off. It's winter. I've got, the kids are in the house. It's cold. I don't have the money because they want to charge an arm and a leg for them to turn the power on because it's the weekend. Um, I literally had to borrow money from one of my friends, and he didn't think twice about it, but I just felt like I was at the worst part of my life because I thought, man, my house is cold. I have no heat. I can't protect my kids. It was that moment of survival that I felt like I had failed. But I think God is showing us that really a lot of things are through miracles that, you know, he is the son of God. He provides for our daily needs that, you know, in the story has compassion for people, but I even want to look higher than that. I want to go above the story. I think he has to show us that we have limits, that we can't do everything that we can't control everything in our life. Um, I could have just sat on that bed, and literally at that moment, I'm pretty sure I was probably crying because I felt like trash. And I could have just said, sorry, kids, you know, that's just the way it is. We're just going to have to figure it out and just let that spiral down until it just mentally took me out and tuck me down into an even darker place. Because we all know that when we get into a dark place, it's not hard for us to just sink further down that rabbit hole. But the opportunity God really had put in my heart, and my wife was encouraging me, you know, you, you have friends, and I knew I had friends that would help, but I didn't want to swallow my pride to go to that step. I didn't want to have to reach out for help. I didn't want to have to admit that I needed help. I just figured if I let it go away, 
Sooner or later, it'll work itself out. But the problem is, with no heat and kids in the house, the next paycheck could be a week or two down the road. And that's not always a, a good plan or even a good idea. But sometimes your pride, especially mine at that moment, didn't want to swallow the reality is that God was showing me a problem. And I had to look and see what kind of possibilities God was going to show me. God was showing me that I was limited in what I could do, but he could do all things. But I had to I had to engage that kind of thinking. I had to say, you know what? I'm not going to let the negativity, even though the problem seems like it's overwhelming, affect who I am. And this just doesn't go with finances or money or health. I think this has to do with a very life core principle is that we have to have the attitude of as we go through life that we can be successful, that we can live a life of abundance. Even I watched, I even saw it on Facebook, my daughter runs a uh, coffee, Java and Jesus on Facebook, and she made a post, you know, if people don't encourage you or don't have your back, there's plenty of strangers that will. And, And I've challenged you with this, just Tell the person that you're around the most or the people that you're around the most that you want to change something or start something new. I almost guarantee you in the first few minutes, they'll say something negative. Try it. I challenge you. Oh, here we go again. Or um, you've tried this before. It didn't work. Or, you know, I don't see why you're doing that. It's a waste of time because they want you to live their goal, their vision, their life. And they're cutting out the part of the passion and the fire that you have inside of you. So the problem I want to address today is the the way we look at problems. And they don't even have to be big problems. I think we just do too many workarounds in our lives that we don't engage. We don't live to the fullest, that we don't come out fighting. I see so many people that said, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to do more, so I'm going to... I have friends that said, hey, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to college. That's great. Have you used it? No, but I found another way that engages my purpose and passion. Oh, I love that. But there's so many people that go after something and then just stop. They don't live out the dream. They don't pursue the dream to the fullest because there's so much negativity that the problem becomes our surroundings. Our problem becomes the way we think about things. Our problem Um, becomes the people around us with uh, negativity. So how are we going to shift to look at our life and say, you know what, God, life is difficult. Life is tough. There's a lot of problems. But you know what? I don't have what it takes. But you do. And you are willing to feed. You are willing to nourish us. You're willing to lead us if we'll take the food, if we'll show the trust, if we'll show the love. The problem is, is a lot of problems in our life aren't life-threatening. They're not going to take us out. So we don't get into a routine that we look at problems and adapt the way we live. Um, In this story, these people could have went home hungry. Now, that could have been bad because I know with my kids, sometimes they would get hangry. We like to call it. They would get upset. Even, uh, right, if they didn't get their food, then things were going to go bad. These people could have just been mad and said, you know what, I went home. I didn't have no food. Jesus was there. And he didn't feed us. He didn't give us no food. They really didn't care. That church doesn't care. That ministry doesn't care. But Jesus used the problem to open up their eyes and the disciples' eyes to say, you know what? There's endless possibilities when God is present. But the problem is when God's not there, 
those things can can drastically diminish, right? Because our life is full of problems, and we have to decide, you know, is God there ready to feed us? Is God ready there to break bread? Is God ready there, there to lead us? Or we can say, you know what, God, I know you're here. I know there's problems, but I have to take the food. I have to, I have to multiply the things in my life. I got to take the good, um, my prayer time, my my time in the Word. I got to take the way I speak. If you don't think the words matter that leave your mouth, if you talk to yourself, maybe you don't. But I know a lot of people do, and I know I do myself. Is I'll say things out loud, or I'll be talking to. I catch myself talking to myself. And those words matter because a lot of times it's usually out of frustration. It's usually words we don't want to say. And those words, the problem is they get to our ears. And then our mind starts to say, you know what? What's Matt saying? Because it's probably true. And we start to live out those words in our life. The real problem in the story wasn't a lack of the food. And there's a lot of people that struggle with not having a food. But this problem right here wasn't about the food. It was the understanding and the trust in God. The real problem is is really just a lack of faith, not the circumstance. It's really not the people around us, even though they're negative, but it's it's us because we have to decide what goes in and what how we process it and what comes out. The question is, you know, am I capable of fixing this myself? And I guarantee you that the answer is going to be a lot of times, no, we don't have what it takes to fix the problem. He was really, Jesus was really telling his disciples, this is a remote place. You know, it's going to be late. You know, the, if the crowds go away, they're going to have to go to the villages and buy some food. That's what the disciples want. They're like, send them away, let them use their own, their own visa, let them use their own money. Let them go deal with themselves because we're tired. We don't want to deal with it, right? If you've been in ministry, if you've been in leadership before, you know, this is going to be a lot of work. If you ever set up tables for a big uh, ministry outreach pro- program, it's hard to get helpers. It's hard to get cleanup help. So the mentality is, you know, you know, kind of we don't want to deal with it. And Jesus said, no, we're going to give them something to eat. And, the, and they were like, you know, but we only got five loaves and two fish. We can't. And Jesus said, but we can. Isn't that funny that this story just sums it up? The mental gate is... We already have only one solution a lot of times in mind. Even when we look for solutions, we have already got it in our mind of how it's going to plan out, how it's going to work out, that we don't see other solutions. And for me, like I said, that's like the word game. Like after I get a word in my head of this is probably this word and it's not it, my mind is like froze on that word. It'll be like, Matt, that's the word. It's not. You know, I'm talking to my brain like, no, it's not. My brain's like, too bad. That's the word I picked. That's what's going to be stuck in your head. And it's like the disciples were like, there's only one way that we can solve this problem. Send them away. Let them get their own food. We don't have enough supplies. We don't have enough resources. We can't fix it. The funny thing is they knew who Jesus was. They knew what Jesus was capable of. And they said, Jesus, you know what? You can't do it either. Could you imagine Jesus knowing all he knows, spreading God's word, knowing the very power and authority he walks in, and he's like, the disciples are like, nah, Jesus, you don't have what it takes. Where you're saying, well, that's not what the scripture says. Well, read it and, and kind of see what they're implying. Like, they didn't have the trust, the faith that Jesus was even capable of doing anything along those lines. But we have to say, 
you have a problem, I want you to go fix it. But you might say, hey, I have a problem and I can't fix it. Yeah, that's right. You do have a problem. Jesus says, bring it to me. God says, I can fix it. You know, does he does he charge the disciples or the people for his help? No, right? You know, he said, do you do it for them? You're doing it for me. He tests them to see if they're even, uh, th to see where their heart was. And the disciples were out of alignment. He saw that. But he wanted to help these people. This wasn't, this was free of charge. He is teaching disciples, you, you can't, but I can. You know, Jesus was saying, you know, you, it's not about what you have. It's about who Jesus is. So as you listen to this message today, I want you to look and say, you know what? There's problems in my life I can't fix, and I need Jesus. I need to change the way I think about these things. But I want you to start looking out and say, you know what? I have the trust and the faith in Jesus that he can do these things. Because a lot of times we think, hey, we can fix this. Without, but without Jesus, a lot of times we, we fall on our face, right? We can come up with a, a tablet and write down how maybe we're going to fix our finances or fix our, our marriage or how we're going to fix these things in our life. But if they're not foundationally based in the Bible, a lot of times these things are, are going to fall short. Or one thing I hear a lot of people say, I'm going to start where I failed the last time. If it failed the last time, chances are it may not do so great this time. So let's look for a new way to go about it. Are we... Are we really praying? Are we really going after uh, Jesus to say, God, we really need you in our lives. We need your help with these problems to really change the way that we pray, that we start to see problems differently. You know, we might say, hey, I need some rest. My problem seems like it's so big and I'm so tired and I need some help. Uh, but Jesus is saying, you know what? The rest that you need, you can't compare it to the rest you're going to get when you have the faith in Jesus. You're going to tell Jesus, I can't do it anymore. I can't take it. I don't believe. I just, I've been dealing with this problem for so long. But Jesus here represents them with a the problem, and they're forced to realize that we can't do it. We can't do it without Jesus. We have to bring the problem to God. We have to start there. Can you imagine the faces on the disciples when they saw the miracle and handed out the, the, the food? It's not that Jesus fixed up like some graham crackers and like a little uh, a little snack. You know, he didn't bring out a little Ziploc bag and say, hey, everybody gets two or three little goldfish like it's a youth, uh, a youth uh, conference or a little Wednesday night teaching group. He's like, I'm going to bring out the, the, the power of God on this. We're going to have plenty of food, just not leftovers. We're not going to have a snack. We're going to have full-blown food, a meal. So when we start to look at solutions for our problems, not, let's not look for the, the snack version. Let's not live a life where we're trying to live off a couple crackers. God wants us to, to go in with complete faith and say, you know what, God is behind us. Because we have to know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have called according to his purpose in all things, right? In Romans 8, 28, it's in the scripture. God can do great things in our life. Now, we can go through stories of, after story in the Bible of God in the foundation of, uh, of really answering problems, but I want you to look at your life. I want to look at my life because I really do this, like I said, for me and I share it with others because maybe, maybe you're struggling with the same thing 
Are you having problems in your life that you are struggling, that you're trying to do things yourself, and God is desperately saying, bring me the fish and the bread. Trust me. Because we constantly, I know for myself, there's times in my life I'm saying, just send the problem away. I'll deal with it later. I'll figure it out later. And the problem is, I'll figure it out later. I'll deal with it later. And the problem is, the problem doesn't seem to go away. It just multiplies. Or we just learn to deal with it. And I think God wants us to live a life where we just walk in faith. We walk in trust. And we start to look at the possibilities in the when we're dealing with problems. And we know that the problem may look big and the problem may look impossible, but the possibilities when the God, the creator of the universe is on our side, they're endless. I just want to thank you for joining me again today. God bless.